Cause podcast is an expression of life's learnings. I'll be your host, Michelle Cardocus Harrison, and I invite you to connect with me as we explore a plethora of interesting subjects such as psychology, stoicism, physics, alchemy, health, fitness, and practical tools for the seeking mind, body, and soul. Join me and other special guests on this journey to educate, to inspire, to encourage, and to turn any experience into a noble cause. What is up, my people? How's it going? Glad you're joining me. Uh, I'm really stoked to be recording today. I've been on a little bit of a hiatus, but I am back in full effect and come and collected. So I might not be 100%. I normally record in the AM, and this is coming to you from the PM. So We'll try to do the best we can. I'll try to keep my ums and my long draws in check. So, thanks for joining me. This episode, I wanted to cover a couple things, and it's all about mental health and how it affects us and what it might mean to us. And I'm going to come at a approach um, with some research that is communicated by somebody a lot more qualified than me. So I'm going to share a clip from uh, Professor Julia Rucklidge. She is a clinical psychologist. She is the director of the Mental Health and Nutrition Research Group in the University of Canterbury. So um, I'm going to add that in. This whole thing is talking about how our nutrients are specifically micronutrients affects our body and affects our brain and ultimately has an effect on our mental health. And I'm also going to add in some practical skills, something that's called DBT skills. It's something that I have heard a lot growing up. It's something that my mother, who has multiple mental illness diagnoses, things that she brings up a lot whenever we're kind of talking about all the coping mechanisms and skills for keeping ourselves in check as much as we possibly can. So uh, I think that it's awesome in my upbringing, those DBT skills that my mother has learned has probably been super impactful for me. So I think it's a cool opportunity to share a couple of points from that. So With that being said, this topic can be a little bit controversial. It can also be maybe a little triggering to some people that are struggling with certain uh, mental illnesses. So full disclosure, I am not a doctor. I am not a psychologist. I am not even a well-educated individual at all by societal standards. This is not meant to diagnose or cure any illness. This is not meant to come across as insensitive or any type of victim blaming. I believe mental health affects everyone, directly or indirectly. And the more that we can be comfortable with people who are diagnosed or not diagnosed, talking about their truth and how this affects their life and their relationships, 
then the better quality of life that we can all have and the more that we can connect with each other on different levels. So that's truly where I'm coming from. I also understand that not all resources are available. I understand that not one thing works for everybody, but I think it's important to talk about the whole body approach to mental health. If this approach does not resonate with you, then I suggest that you turn this thing off and not listen to a word that I say. I never strive for perfection. I believe in being real and authentic. That's more important to me than trying to be right. So if this message is misread or taken out of context, I apologize, but that is simply not my intent. So to get that out of the way, if you're still with me, one of the things that I think is interesting whenever we talk about mental health is just how it affects us, right? There are so many different attributes to what that means. There is the diagnosed mental illness, and there is the what I refer to as the undiagnosed mental illness, or um, mental health in general, or any way like negative thinking even can fall into all of that. I feel like there's a lot of support in the diagnosed aspect of mental illness or mental health, that it's talked about a lot, or that there's a lot of understanding, research around it. So um, just to clear up what all of that might encompass is chemical imbalances in the brain, uh, mental illness, disorders, depression, anxiety, bipolar, dementia, ADHD, OCD, autism, PTSD. Some of these, they're commonly diagnosed with being caused by trauma. We're all probably pretty familiar with that aspect of mental illness. Um, I know for me personally how it has affected me personally is I have uh, had both of my parents suffer from mental illness. So I am the adult child of parents that suffer from mental illness. My mother has five mental illness diagnoses, one of those being bipolar. So uh, I've watched her journey and I've watched her struggle. My father had a traumatic brain injury. So that happened whenever I was very young. I was six months old whenever he was actually hit by a car, severely had a head injury. So it has affected me in every aspect of my life. It has made me who I am. It has also predisposed me, but given me another level of awareness that maybe most people might not have because I did grow up with it. It was something that we talked about a lot. It was, you know, re like why your mom's having these issues that maybe other moms don't have or the, you know, my dad couldn't drive a car whenever I was younger. Um, neither of my parents worked. They were both on disability. At least I think my mom stopped working whenever I was around 11 or so and same for my father, maybe a little bit earlier than that. So it affected us financially, and it affected their ability to be there for me as a parent. Um, these are just all different things that it, it it affects everybody. So this is how it's affected me, but I have to say that the reason why I am constantly seeking for ways to feel better or for ways to help myself cope gracefully, figure things out, 
really does come from a place of empowerment from seeing so many people that I love struggle and wanting to figure out a way if I can, if it's possible for me to take the best care of myself possible so that maybe I, I might not have to go through all of the things that they had to go through or, you know, I'm a mother now and I really want to try to take care of myself and do everything that I can for my mental health so that I'm able to be a healthy, happy mother for my children as well. So that really is what gets me going. So I have a different perspective, but it also is what drives me. So I'm very grateful for it. And uh, I'm comfortable with talking about it. I know my mom's comfortable with talking about it or me talking about it. I know if my dad was here, he absolutely would be comfortable with me talking about it. He no longer is alive, so he's not here too. But it's something that I grew up with talking about. It is also something that I grew up with having people with mental disabilities in my life. Both of my parents were, whenever they couldn't work any longer, they volunteered their time. And so they spent their time advocating and supporting other people with mental illnesses. So uh, I grew up with this and I learned how different people are and, and how like it's not a bad thing. It's, it's just who they are and you learn how to love them or appreciate them for who they are. So I'm really lucky to have that perspective and I try to teach my kids that perspective too. So me personally, I have never, I've had two different instances in my life to where I could have or have been diagnosed or medicated for uh, any mental health issues. Whenever I was a teenager, whenever my father passed away, whenever I was 15, I had been prescribed some antidepressants and I took them for a little while. I didn't like the way that they made me feel. I felt like I felt nothing and that really wasn't what I needed at that time. So that was the only time that I had ever maybe had somewhat of a, a diagnosis of depression. But I think that that's a tricky situation because it was completely circumstantial, you know? It's okay for you to be depressed whenever you lose a parent. Why do we have to be so quick to shove prescriptions down our throats, you know, to not feel it? It's okay. It's an okay thing to feel. You should feel it because I didn't feel it for a long time, for years and years afterwards, and it came back at me in my adult life. So I always advocate for, like, feeling your feels, whatever that might mean, or promote healing in whatever way that that might mean for you. So I had that situation and then in my whenever I was about 30 years old, I had a lot of stress in my life. It wasn't that long ago. I'm only almost 34, so it wasn't that long ago. A lot of stress in my life. Things kind of came crashing down on me. I had started a business and it just all blew up and uh, what I thought was supposed to be my support system crumbled very quickly. People that were supposed to be there for me or I was supposed to rely on just totally left me high and dry. So. It was a time of intense anxiety for me, followed by a straight, like, snap. And my brain just, like, broke. That's the only way that I could describe it. Your mind does what it can to preserve itself. And sometimes it takes the driver's seat and it says, nope, we're not doing this anymore. I'm going to shut it down. And it got shut down for a little while. So it took me a while to get over that I was lucky enough to do the motions and do the right things and I came out on the other side of it so my story is 
not like anybody else's story. Maybe you can relate, maybe you can't, you know, we all have our own different ways that we relate to all of this, but that's my story and how I, re I relate to it. So I feel like there's lots of talk about the diagnosis, but not a lot of talk about just everyday struggles. So I've come up with a list of ways that mental health affects us that we might not think that it's related because it's either something that we're used to that we do all the time or that we feel like all the time and we don't like think that this could be related somehow or we're going through these emotions or these feelings or these struggles and we think well this isn't like bad enough for me to go to the doctor and get a medication or anything like that so it's everyday things that a lot of people struggle with i know that i do that I put under the umbrella of mental health because we should be able to talk about it. It shouldn't be just the people that, you know, are diagnosed with it or are working with their doctors or are in some type of therapy. It shouldn't just be for those people. This, this affects everybody. This is a human condition, in my opinion. And the only way that we can be support for each other is to be honest and upfront about it. So that's what I'm here trying to do. So some of the things that we might not realize are related to mental health. Things like anxiety and depression, addiction, OCD, or that whole control freak mentality. I know that I suffered from that in the past. It took me a while to get control of my control freak. Insecurities, mental angst, mental instability, being emotionally fragile, having life changes that affect us, having traumas that affect us, tragedies, different stressors in our life. You know, even something as beautiful as, as a birth and as scary and hurtful as a death, divorces, weddings, all of, the, all of these things bring out emotions in, in us and affect us in different ways. Other health problems can definitely affect your mental health whenever you're not able to physically do the things that you want to do, and it can definitely affect your mental health. Uh, your finances, worry, stress, anger, rage, violence, abuse, sexual assault, self-esteem, social awkwardness, phobias, hormone imbalances. So that's just a short list of the tip of the iceberg. That's just what life throws at us that isn't always positive. And we don't always know what to do with it or how to handle it. And we might have even adopted, I'm with you on this one, some unhelpful coping mechanism. So whenever we think about mental health in that way, all of these things, whether it's controlled or uncontrolled, it kind of eases up a little bit for us to just be open about it. It's okay to say, man, my mental health is not spot on right now. We're totally fine with saying I have a cold. Why do we have, why is there such a issue in society with saying I'm having some mental health issues or I'm having these anxieties or depression or all of this? You know, I think that it should be just as normal to talk about that because it affects us just as much as it does physical illness for sure. Statistically, one in five adults in the USA experience mental illness in a given year. That is 46.6 million people that are walking around out there hurting and suffering, pretending like they're not, and trying to get through the day all by themselves. So to me, I, I read that and it hurts my heart because 
I think that we can support each other more. And I think that we can understand each other more. Your dickhead coworker, maybe he's actually having some real issues that we don't understand and he doesn't know how to cope with it. So, like, that's where a lot of grace comes in with all of this, is understanding that you are not the only one. And a lot of us deal with these issues, too. So just being open to that, I think, is just a helpful thing to talk about. So now that we've kind of, like, covered the basics of what I mean by uh, diagnosed and non-diagnosed mental health issues and mental illness, what I want to talk about today is the research and their real-life applications that suggest that a well-nourished body and brain is better able to withstand ongoing stress and recover from illness. So this is how nutrition and mental health meet. This is how we talk about this. This is how we bring up the research. How all of this has come up for me. In my life, I have this, uh, <laughs> I call it the level up and level out thing that I got going on. I'm always striving to do better, to be better, to push myself past my comfort zones, to be a better um, a better influence to the people around me, um, to lead by example. So I'm constantly leveling up, leveling up, leveling up. And living your life like that, you can level up, but you're going to have to level out for a little bit. It's not just like a straight jump and you're good to go. No, you got to learn how to like deal with that level. And for me, it seems like I level up and then I come like crashing down a couple, you know, because there's a couple things that I still need to learn or a few things that are still working on me. So I have that level up, level out mentality. I'm a mother of two. I have four jobs. I have lots of passions and proje projects. I mean, sitting here with you today is one of them. I am responsible for my own health and the health of my children. I'm a real go-getter, but I don't always use the most responsible approach. I don't think that I am the only one out there. <laughs> so what happened for me is me trying to adjust to my new level. There's different things in my life that has changed that I'm really trying to like get my, get my grip for. So I found myself just running off of like protein waffles and granola and lots of honey and lots of caffeine and sugar and yeah it just kind of kept me going right so my late night pop tarts or whatever it was that kids' snacks that I could grab to just make me feel better I was definitely using sugar and caffeine to self-soothe and to power through I mean we talk about addictions with you know drugs and alcohol but we don't talk about sugar and caffeine and these things that are very real I can tell whenever I'm like too much of one thing, it affects every aspect of my life. So this is where I was recently, is where I was just like really running off of sugar and caffeine and powering through. I was also using social media and screen time to distract myself, trying to keep me constantly going, you know? Sometimes you're scared to settle for a second. I think that sometimes we get scared to sit with ourselves or to feel our feels or to be vulnerable even with ourselves or to be alone or any of that, you know? So we distract ourselves very easily. It definitely is a thing for me. I was finding myself getting mentally obsessed with things that didn't matter. And social media can definitely do that to us. Or maybe it's just TV or maybe it's your Netflix show or just something outside of you. And it's fine if you're enjoying it. You know, I'm all about like, 
taking that free time, whatever it is to you. But whenever we are using it to distract ourselves or using it against us, it's not working for us. Then we really need to look at that, take a look at it, you know, be honest with ourselves. I believe in my situation, the copious amounts of sugar and caffeine and the lack of of proper nutrients, meaning that I didn't take the time to make the meals that I should have. You know, I was like just trying to get through and whip up the kids a, you know, chicken strips or whatever and cereal and just the quick easy. I mean, this is like what we do. This is like how we live. This is our life, right? So I'm not the only one. I know that for sure. But I did find that with all of those things, it drove me deeper and deeper into this like mental angst that I was in. It affected my sleep which is not good. It affected my attitude. It affected my demeanor with my children. And it left me feeling just overwhelmed. I couldn't train at the gym because I was too exhausted because I wasn't getting sleep. I couldn't meditate because I couldn't just sit still. I couldn't be here with you recording, doing something that I love to do because I didn't have the mental clarity. I felt like my brain was so foggy I couldn't even construct a friggin' sentence. So those are the ways that it has affected me you know something as simple as having too much sugar in your diet or just like not taking that time for yourself you know not slowing down staying distracted and just like all in this like huge loop of this self-sabotage really you know and it affects your mental health and affects your attitude affects everything in your life I ended up taking steps backwards in my life and totally wrecked me I had to really like focus and be dedicated for a little while to get myself back to feeling like myself, you know? We don't get into these situations overnight, so we can't expect to get out of them overnight either. I'm always pretty intuitive with what I know is going on with me, or even if I'm not willing to change it necessarily quickly, I still know what's going on with me. So for me, I knew that it was all about like not fixing the family meals, and making me feel guilty and helpless. And I just I just get tired of my own shit and quick. I have seen the other side. And no amount of self-induced suffering can compare to how good it feels to feel good. So, being there, taking a couple steps back, moving a couple steps forward. Sometimes we got to do that crazy little cha-cha dance to get to where we need to be, and that's okay. During that time, though, you know, it's important. Yes, I was, I, I am patient and understanding towards myself, but whenever I know that there are things that I'm doing to my body that isn't promoting wellness, then that's the first thing that I need to look at in my life. The first thing I need to look at is to reevaluate my life choices. So this is what this is all about. This is me telling you my story on how things affect me and how... I make the decision to change things in my life. So I know how nutrition affects me personally, and maybe you have a similar story, maybe you have a totally different story, or maybe you've never even thought about all this before. Maybe you're like, wow, I never thought that what I eat affects the way I feel, or the way that I think, or the way that my brain works. So I'm all about asking those questions, which you can only ask yourself those questions. But that's kind of what I'm here to do. But I'm not here to tell you how to live your life. I'm just here to encourage you to look at yourself and see if there's anything 
there's anything there that maybe you could work on or reevaluate or whatever it is, you know, it's different for all of us. So I am terrible at any like scientific -y stuff. I'll be the first one to say I am like way more like street smart than I am book smart. It's worked out well for me, so it's all good. But I try not to take stab at things that I can't vocalize very well. So I want to share a clip with you that I found on TEDx. So this is from Professor Julia Rucklidge. She is the clinical psychologist and the director of mental health and nutrition research group at the University of Canterbury. Canterbury. And before I play this clip, there's a note from Ted because they're like they have their own disclosures about things too. So this is what they had said about this particular clip. Um, Please consult with a mental health professional and do not look to this talk for medical advice as the intersection of mental health and nutrition is still an emerging field of study. We have flagged this talk for falling outside of TEDx's curatorial guidelines because it oversimplifies interpretations of legitimate studies. So this is like straight oversimplification, which I kind of like, but just for this purpose... But this is not like the of all be all. By all means, if you want to know more about this or even if you want to discredit all of this, we got the World Wide Web out there. You can go look for things for yourself. But this just, I felt like it was really to the point and a very short explanation of how nutrients, specifically micronutrients, affect our mental health. So go ahead and take a listen. In 2009, I received some funding to run a randomized placebo-controlled trial using my minerals and vitamins, also known collectively as micronutrients, for the treatment of ADHD in adults. And this study was published in the British Journal of Psychiatry in April of this year, and here's what we found. Within just an eight-week period, twice as many people responded in the micronutrient group compared to placebo. Twice as many people went into remission in their depression in the micronutrient group. Hyperactivity and impulsivity reduced into the normal non-clinical range. And those who were taking the micronutrients were more likely to report that their ADHD symptoms were less impairing and less interfering than uh, in their work and social relationships than people who were on the placebo. And one year later, those people who stayed on the micronutrients maintained their changes or showed further improvement, and those who were um, who switched or to medications or stopped the micronutrients actually showed a worsening of their symptoms. Now, I need to tell you something here, and that is when I say micronutrients, I'm actually referring to a dose higher than what you'd get out of a vitamin pill purchased in the supermarket. We, in this study, we gave participants up to 15 pills a day with 36 nutrients. So it would be unlikely that if you went and got an over-the-counter supplement, you would unlikely see these positive benefits, both because the dose is lower and the breadth of nutrients is lower. Now, these, uh, these positive benefits have not, are not confined to a single study. My lab at the University of Canterbury is the Mental Health and Nutrition Research Group, and we've published over 20 papers in medical journals, all documenting the benefits of micronutrients. For example, this study here, showed that we could reduce the symptoms of bipolar disorder in children by 
with a simultaneous reduction of medications. This study here showed that we could reduce rates of probable post-traumatic stress disorder from 65% down to 18% following the Christchurch earthquakes with a one-month intervention of micronutrients with no change in those not taking the nutrients. Even one year later, those people who had received the nutrients were doing better than those who didn't. And we've just replicated these findings in collaboration with researchers at the University of Calgary following the floods of June 2013 in Alberta, Canada. To me, the message is clear that a well-nourished body and brain is better able to withstand ongoing stress and recover from illness. Giving micronutrients in appropriate doses can be an effective and inexpensive public health intervention to improve the mental health of a population following an environmental catastrophe. In my 20-year career, I have rarely seen these dramatic responses from conventional treatments. When people get well, they get well across the board, not only in the symptoms that we treated, but also in other areas, like improved sleep, stabilization of mood, reduction in anxiety, and the reduction in need for cigarettes, cannabis, and alcohol. My research and those around the world have shown that 60 to 80% of people respond to micronutrients, showing just how powerful this intervention is. And internationally, uh, there have now been 20 randomized placebo-controlled trials. This is the gold standard that we use to make clinical decisions, showing that we can reduce aggression in prisoners, slow cognitive decline in the elderly, treat depression, anxiety, stress, autism, and ADHD. And they might even be more cost-effective than current conventional treatments. This study here documented the treatment of a 10-year-old boy with psychosis. When his six-month inpatient treatment with medications was unsuccessful, he was treated with micronutrients. Not only did he, the micronutrients completely eliminate his hallucinations and delusions, changes that were maintained six years later, but the cost of the treatment was less than 2% than the cost of the unsuccessful inpatient treatment. The cost savings alone make it imperative that our society pay attention to the wider benefits of this approach. And there is more good news. Treating, supplementing before mental illness emerges can actually stop these problems from developing in the first place. This fantastic study looked at 81 adolescents at risk for psychosis and randomized them to receive either omega-3 fatty acids in the form of fish oils, essential nutrients for brain health, or placebo for a 12-week period. One year later, 5% of those who received the fish oil had converted to psychosis versus 28% of those on placebo that represents an 80% reduction in the chances of you getting, converting to psychosis simply through giving fish oils. I wonder if I know what some of you are thinking. I wonder if some of you are thinking, hold on, why don't I just eat better? Why don't I just tell everyone to eat better? And indeed, there are some fantastic studies 
that document the strong relationship between dietary patterns and mental health, although this is a, we're still in very early days of scientific investigation. We don't know who would benefit from dietary manipulation alone and who may need the additional boost from extra nutrients. But even in the last five years, there have been 11 epidemiological studies cross-sectionally and around the um, and, and longitudinally in large populations around the world, all showing the same thing. The more you eat a prudent or Mediterranean or uh, unprocessed type of diet, the lower your risk for depression. And the more you eat the Western diet or processed food, the higher your risk for depression. I know of only one study that has not found this association, and not a single study shows that the Western diet is good for our mental health. <laughs> what is the Western diet? Well, it's one that is heavily processed, high in refined grains, sugary drinks, takeaways, and low in fresh produce. And the healthy diet is one that is fresh, high in fruits and vegetables, high in fish, nuts, healthy fats, and low in processed foods. What your grandmother would recognize as food. <laughs> there are still many questions remaining about the relationship between mental health and nutrition. What role do genetics play in determining who's going to respond to nutrients and who needs additional nutrients and they can get out of their diet? What role does an infected, inflamed gut play in the absorption of nutrients? It's not we are what we eat, it's what we are what we absorb. And what role do medications play in determining how effective the nutrients are? Combining medications and nutrients is actually complicated, and we need more research and better understanding these interactions. But ultimately, we need to know how long these good benefits last. So with all of this data, this rich data highlighting the power of nutrition, I think we can make some individual and collective changes now. We could reconsider our current treatment approach, prioritize lifestyle factors, healthy eating, exercise, supplements when necessary, psychological treatments, and save medications for when these approaches don't work. If nutrients work, then shouldn't they be covered through our healthcare system? Take universal prevention seriously by optimizing the nutrition of those who are vulnerable. We don't wait for the heart attack to hit in order for us to modify lifestyle behaviors that we know contribute to heart disease. It should be no different with mental health. An easy way to implement universal prevention would be to have pregnant women not pregnant women, midwives, tell pregnant women about the importance of nutrition. Nutrient-depleted mothers produce nutrient-depleted children. Nutrient-poor foods during pregnancy increase the chances that your child will have a mental health problem. Learn about the risks of cheap processed foods. As Michael Pollan stated, cheap food is an illusion. There is no such thing as cheap food. The price is paid somewhere, and if it's not paid at the cash register, then it's charged to the environment and to the public purse in the form of subsidies, and it's charged to your health. All children need to learn how to cook. All children need to know that food doesn't have to come in a packet. Schools could reflect on the content of their lunch menus. 
Children are too frequently rewarded with processed foods for good behavior. We need to reflect on whether or not this pairing intuitively makes sense. Ultimately, we have a responsibility to teach them that every time they put something in their mouths, they make a choice to eat something nourishing or something nutritionally depleted. In the 19th century, physicians were offended when Semmelweis suggested they wash their hands before delivering babies. We are now asking them to consider whether the medications that they prescribe are contributing to the poor long-term outcome for some people with mental illness. But eating well and when appropriate, additional nutrients can improve the mental health of many people. I leave you with one last thought. Randomized trials in the 1600s showed that putting limes aboard ships headed out for long voyages completely eliminated the 40% mortality from scurvy. But it took 264 years for the British government to mandate that all ships must carry citrus for their sailors. How long will it take our society to pay attention to the research showing that Suboptimal nutrition is contributing to the epidemic of mental illness. So this is my idea we're spreading. Nutrition matters. And if we're really ready to get serious about mental health, we need to get serious about the critical role played by nutrition. Thank you. All right. Well, I hope that you guys enjoyed that clip or learned something, or maybe not. That's okay, too. A couple of uh, takeaways for me. I think the biggest thing with all of that is that we have options, man, like power to the people. Like we, there's more that we can do for ourselves that we don't have to have somebody else prescribe to us or sell to us or tell us that we have to do. There's things that we can do for ourselves to better ourselves without anybody else even having to be involved. So I'm all for that approach, whatever that might mean to you. I also like the idea that all of this could be way more cost effective and if anything that will loosen the grip of big pharma on our economy or on just our lives in general, I'm all for that because I don't think there's lots of good things going on in that industry. So power to the people, whatever we can do to help, right? One thing that you might be wondering whenever you listen to that clip is what the hell is she talking about whenever she's talking about micronutrients? Well, micronutrients that she's talking about are vitamins and minerals. It's different than macronutrients. Macronutrients are specifically proteins, fat, and carbs. So micronutrients, meaning vitamins and minerals. We, we don't always have the opportunity to have high quality diet in our lifestyles. I know that I don't. It's always a time like money time all of those things like your ability your knowledge all of those things kids are picky you know I am picky sometimes too so it might not be realistic for you to get all of your micronutrients through just what you eat so that's why it's a good idea to supplement and I do have to say I, I've been lucky enough to see the inner workings of the natural food store and supplement industry. And there's a lot of like distrust in that industry. But I got to say that a lot of those companies are legit. And a lot of the supplementation has been around forever. So don't just buy into the hype that like, oh, it's all just like a bunch of BS and you're wasting your money. 
every time I hear stuff like that, I wonder how many industries would this really disrupt if people actually were able to take their own health into their own hands. So the fact that there is other industries that probably wouldn't like that so much, then I always wonder, well, how much of the propaganda is kind of connected to that, first of all. Second of all, go into your local natural food store. You're way better off going into a place like that and asking questions and researching the brands and asking asking the employees, asking the owners. If they're knowledgeable, then they're going to be able to give you good answers. And not only that, they're going to care about this helping for you. You know, like the supplement industry is still a business. You think that if it didn't work for anybody that they would still be around? I don't think so. I mean, some of this stuff kind of like is a no-brainer. A lot of it's that people don't take the time. They're not patient with it. You know, we'd say give it at least three months and a lot of people don't commit to it for that long. But if you're going to use vitamins or any type of supplementation, don't go to your grocery store and get like the Kroger brand. You are just throwing your money away. I can't tell you how many times I've heard of like, you know, different raw ingredients are sourced from different parts all over the world. So you have no idea even the quality that you're getting. And we all know that it's not regulated as much as like the FDA doesn't regulate it as much as they do big pharma. If you're going to do it, like do it with trusted research based responsible companies. And there are a lot out there. Don't think that they're not. That's a easy way to help supplementation with yourself and then with your children too. I give my kids like omega-3s because it's I know that it's good for their brain health and uh, we don't eat a lot of fish you know they don't eat a lot of fish so it's a good way to get that in into our diet without um really having to like fix all of those meals or get it just through our food i came up with a few tips on things that maybe can help you with your nutrition with getting more micronutrients into your daily diet and also just some straight up things that could be helpful in general. So I was talking about DBT skills and how they were so helpful for my mom. And it's funny because I talked to her about all these like ideas of, you know, like mindsets and I guess the whole self-help genre, even though I hate that word. And every time I talked to her about it, she said, those are just like my DBT skills. So I think it's cool that I that it kind of comes full circle with all of it. But just a little brief introduction to what DBT is. So DBT is dialectical behavior therapy. It is a highly effective type of cognitive behavioral therapy uh, originally created to treat borderline personality disorder. Today it's used to treat a variety of conditions such as bipolar disorder, eating disorders, and depression. DBT teaches clients four sets of behavioral skills, mindfulness, distress tolerance, impersonal effectiveness, and emotional regulation. So I'm going to just hit each one of those just so that you have a better understanding of what each one of those means. So mindfulness means living your life more in the present moment instead of allowing yourself to be hijacked by the past and the future. By practicing mindfulness, we become aware of our thoughts, feelings, actions, and reactions. We are able to pause, check in, identify our emotions, and consciously make healthy decisions. If your mind wanders, redirect it to the present moment. You may choose to refocus on your external experiences, what's happening around you, or you might refocus your internal experience, your thoughts, emotions, and physical sensations. Here the key is to notice that you're experience, what you're experiencing without getting caught up in it. So meditation teaches us a lot about that too. 
just being mindfulness, just being thinking, oh, I'm getting so caught up and worked out about something that's going on, this story I'm playing in my brain. It's not what's going around outside of me right now. So if you could just like take a second to be mindful of where you are in the moment, then you can maybe stop that train before it gets momentum and it's a lot harder to stop. The next one is reality acceptance. This skill focuses on accepting our daily experiences and working to accept the more painful events that have happened because fighting reality only heightens our suffering. This is a sad but noble truth of human suffering. It just happens to all of us. None of us are going to get out of here without any suffering. So one example that is given is if you're sitting in a work meeting bored out of your mind, you start thinking about all the other things you could be doing instead of telling yourself, I have so much stuff to do. This is a waste of my time. You remind yourself, there's nothing I can do. This is something I have to sit through and it is what it is and breathe. So keeping yourself in check, you know, like this is the reality. Here we are right now. Yeah, we. I'm sure you would love to be doing something else. Don't blame you, but this is what we're dealing with right now. So that's a really good skill to learn for sure. Next one is the non-judgmental stance. This skill speaks to being less judgmental in general. Starting to notice when you judge things as good or bad. Negative judgments tend to boost our emotional pain. So when you're angry, irritated, or frustrated, pay attention to what judgment you're making. Then focus on replacing that judgment with a fact and any emotion you're feeling. So instead of saying the weather is awful today, you say it's raining this morning and I'm irritated because I have to walk to work. Instead of saying you're an awful friend, you say there have been a few times recently where we've canceled plans with me at the last moment to go out with somebody else instead and I feel hurt and angry by this. Being less judgmental doesn't eliminate our pain, but it does help us reduce emotions such as anger. And in doing so, we're able to think more clearly and wisely, opening up choices for us to do, such as, do I want to spend energy being angry at this person? It also empowers us to problem solve and again, make decisions that serve and support us. So those are all some like really concrete helpful tips and skills. Once again, that it's called DBT skills. It's dialectical behavior therapy skills. There's a lot of information on it um, online. I'm sure there there's books written about it. And I know that my mom has been able to go to different trainings and stuff. So if you're looking into something like that, I say go for it. You know, like I think we could all benefit from learning those skills for sure and stay hydrated. Stop what you're doing right now and chug a bunch of water. Water is life. All right. So going through all the things that we've gone through, I just have like a little list of things that I've been putting together that might help you because I don't feel like it's kind of pointless to just say all this stuff and, you know, just to tell you so and not give practical tips and tools to be able to actually make different lifestyle changes. And I do have to say from the bottom of my heart, I know how hard it is, especially if you're like me and you've got kids and you're just trying to do the very best you can. And most of the time you feel guilty because you should have done better or, you know, your kids suffer because of the choices that you make. I feel you 110%. And all I can say is that we can't take on the world with all of that, but we can try to make like small substantial changes and it does matter. So it's way better to make small changes than it is to not make any changes at all. And step by step, hopefully we can start moving into a, a more supportive 
way of life for our mental health, for our nutrition, for our children, for ourselves, for all of this, you know, once we can start talking about things and maybe we can come up with better solutions or maybe we can come up with better ways to support each other and ourselves. So that's what this thing is all about. All right, so a couple tips that I have, um, like super easy, realistic things that you could do. Um, one thing is start cooking with coconut oil instead of just like vegetable oil. Coconut oil has the good types of fat. It is used by the brain cells for fuel. So just adding coconut oil and doesn't taste like coconut, so you can put it on anything. Just watch out for like frying things. I think there's instructions on that. <laughs> but cooking with coconut oil or using coconut oil and in place of different oils can be helpful. One thing for me that I just grab and go at the f at the grocery store is that delicious smoked salmon. It's already cooked. I can just eat it right out of the package. Uh, my kids like it. I know that it's kind of expensive and a lot of this stuff sometimes you're like, it's too expensive. I get it. Like I totally do. But maybe we can cut out some other crap in our life to allow us to have more quality things in our life. It's not always about uh, quantity it's about quality so if you could like switch out the whole big bag of cheap food and replace it with something that might be a couple dollars more but ultimately it's gonna be better for you you know and like nothing's for free we're either gonna pay for it today or you're gonna pay for it later on down the road and I would much rather pay for it today and take care of myself and have a healthy functioning body and mind than pay for it later and then have to suffer through all of that so it's just my thing. Choosing free range and grass fed meats. So the reason why this is all so important is because omega-3s and omega-6s, so the fatty acids that are in these products, there is actually like, it's chemically different than free range is than it being like overly, overly processed. So I know that I don't necessarily buy organic or grass-fed meats like beef and chicken, but choosing free range, I'm really lucky because my sister is a chicken mama, so I have access to them. But even just choosing that one thing, choosing to um, use free range eggs instead of store-bought eggs, yeah, it might cost you an extra dollar, you know, but really, like, we really got to start looking at this stuff in a different way. like you're going to gain a lot more than just what that dollar costs for you. Smoothies, that's a really good option, especially for me. You know, we're saying we're always busy. I don't have time to eat, blah, blah, blah. Well, throw some like banana, blueberry, spinach, whatever you need, some milk, some water, protein powder. You can even throw like some MCT oils in that. So that's like a medium chain triglyceride, a type of coconut oil. That's really good for you with the good fats. Uh, throw some chia seeds in there. That's an easy thing. Chia seeds have a lot of good omega-3s. Setting yourself up for success and just being able to grab and go and just like thinking about things ahead, planning a little bit better can go a long ways. Uh, dark chocolate, I gotta tell you, is actually like pretty good for you. It has antioxidants and um, one thing I saw the other day is that I love it whenever they're able to like mix different types of foods together. So I got to try a dark chocolate that had mushrooms in it. Not like the magic mushrooms, but like legit mushrooms. Uh, I think like one was like chonga and lion's mane or something. So these mushrooms that have been like shown to 
promote brain health and brain function, and they mix it in with chocolate. You get to eat chocolate, and you get to have the mushroom brain health thing going on. It doesn't taste like mushrooms, by the way, just so that you know. So any chance that you could do that? I use um, mushroom coffee a lot. Uh, my The coffee that I use, the instant coffee from Four Sigmatic, they have lion mane's coffee so i get my caffeine buzz and then i also get like that brain boost so i love any time that i get to do stuff like that it's kind of like a win-win um making sure to eat plenty of nuts and seeds just keep it with you just eat it whenever you're hungry just snack on it you know it's better than a bag of chips if you have it around and you can make that choice it's a better choice using whole grains as opposed to refined wheat or grains or whatever the bleached white breads you hear that all the time, and in my mind, I think like, oh, how boring. I can't have buns. <laughs> but in all reality, there's some good shit out there. I have, I get this stuff that's like corn and wheat tortillas, and it's freaking good. So don't kill yourself. Like, don't suffer through it. Find shit that you like that tastes good, and buy that, and eat that, and then not worry about all the other stuff that you can't have. There's options, people. There's options. There's also a lot of cool different elixirs out there or different like herbs that can help with just your body in general, uh, help you with your brain function as well as any other bodily function. So um, that's also stuff that you can find in a natural food store. They should be super knowledgeable about it. I think you'd be surprised if you've never gone into one before. You should check it out. We have one locally, FB Organics. Those people know what they're talking about. So, uh, magnesium. Magnesium is proven to be good for your uh, brain function. It also is, um, I drink this stuff called Natural Calm, and it is calming. I get to drink it before bedtime, so that's added benefit. Using things like melatonin for sleep to help you get, if you're not sleeping well, try to find something that you can use that works for you to help you sleep because sleep is important. One thing that I started doing like just this past weekend with my like trying to get back on track, baking healthy snacks with my kids. I get to spend quality time with them and we're also like making something yummy. I do, I, I call them Superman cookies. They're superfood cookies that have no sugar in them. It's a coconut nectar that it's sweetened with. And it's like bananas and oats and oat flour and chia seeds and walnuts and pumpkin seeds and flax seeds and all this like really good stuff. And the kids love baking with me. I love baking with them. And we're making something that we can all have throughout the week as a healthy choice instead of just going for the Pop-Tarts. So that's kind of a way that you can introduce that into your family or into your lifestyle. I'm always going to advocate for exercise because... It is one of the things that helps me the most, and um, I hear it all the time, you know, like, oh, I need to get to the gym, or I need to find time to exercise, or this or that, so do it. Just find the time, make the time, do the thing. <laughs> find some time to exercise. I don't think, it's funny, it's like you get to an age, and it's like there's two types of people in this world, people that exercise and people that don't. It's like, why can't we just be people? Can't we just be people? doing people stuff, taking care of ourselves. That's how I see it. So let's, you don't have to be a certain type of person to go to the gym. Sorry to disappoint you, but that excuse can just go right out the window. Another thing I have is journaling or counseling. Journaling has really important to me. 
sometimes I just gotta like get it out, whatever it is. Like it helps me process things. I'll sit in the early morning sometimes on the weekends and I have time, I'll get a cup of coffee and I'll just write, 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 write. And by the end of it, I've gone through stuff that I'm like, oh, I, I was able to like work through that on my own. It's part of self-healing. It's a part of how like you can work on yourself by yourself to better yourself. So that helps me. Um, while I'm doing that, I'm, I always go to like planning or goal setting so that after I'm done doing whatever the work that I needed to do, then I'm like, all right, what are we going to do moving forward? What are the choices that you need to make? What are the decisions you need to make? What are the, how do you need to organize your life in a better way to accommodate this? So goal setting can go a long way. It can also make you feel a lot better about yourself because you have a direction. You know where you're going and you're not just kind of like down in the dumps or flying around by the seat of your pants. You know, you have a little bit of direction and it helps me a lot having that. Making sure that we have uh, plenty of time for play in nature. I can imagine living in a city and not being close to nature but whether I can just go to the river for a second and just listen to the, you know, the current of the of the river or just walk barefoot in the woods for a minute, something just grounding just to like soothe me and make me feel like everything is all right. I think it goes a long ways. Cutting off distractions. This is a big one, I think, for everybody. Social media, man, it is crazy how sucked up in all of that we can get. You know, and it's a distraction. It's taking your headspace and it's using it for something that might not really matter. Really. I mean, how much of our lives are we wasting just looking at other people's stuff? It's one thing if you're learning things or if you're connecting to people, but if you're just doing it to waste your time, then that's exactly what you're doing is you're wasting your time. So being mindful of that, maybe you need to take a break from it. Or maybe for me, I put that shit on airplane mode. <laughs> And it makes me feel like I've unplugged for a minute. So that's super helpful. But not everybody has that luxury. Uh, meditation. Meditation is very important. Ten minutes a day can change your life. I use an app called Headspace. And I have not been using it recently. And I think that that's one of the reasons why I've gotten a little bit carried away with my mental health. So I am back on that headspace train and making sure that I take that time and I can already feel a difference. Once you learn how to meditate, once you learn, it's not even like learning how to meditate, it's learning what that feeling is. It's learning how to feel safe in your own body and it's learning how to shut everything else out. That's the feeling. And once you feel that, nothing compares to it and you're you could easily slip into that whenever you need to and it helps you especially in times of you know the the trials and tribulations that we go through sometimes just shutting it off for a second it's another form of unplugging and you can do it right here it doesn't have to be anything else one thing that i definitely have to say is it's okay to take a break for yourself not only is it okay to take a break for yourself but you don't have to explain yourself and you do not need permission. We are so used to like feeling guilty for needing our space or our time. We feel like we won't be honored or that other people won't honor us or they're gonna think that we're selfish or that um, we're just being petty or whatever false narrative they might they might come up with about you. But. I just want you to know that you do not have to explain to anybody whenever you need time for you. 
It's you that needs to understand when you need that time and take it. Don't ask for permission. We got to start doing that for ourselves, you know, because it's never going to happen the other way. Nobody is ever going to come up to you and say, you know what? You're looking like you're a little stressed out. Maybe you should take a break. That person is you. You are that person. So do it for yourself and don't feel guilty about it. Hell no, don't feel guilty about it. The more that we do that and the more that becomes normal and the more that we can teach our children to do it and inspire our friends and family to do it and show them what that looks like, what that self-care looks like, the more it's going to be accepted. It's never going to be accepted if we don't ever do it and we're too scared to like actually take that time for ourselves. So think about that next time you have the chance to just do it. You don't need to explain yourself. You are your own person. You are allowed to do whatever it is that you think that you need to do for yourself because you matter. You are worthy enough and you matter. And the world is not going to fall apart if you check out for a minute. You're actually going to be 10 times better when you come back. So please, for all of us, take a sec, regroup, unplug, take some time for you, figure out what you need to do. Figure out, you know, if it's your nutrition or maybe it's your relationships or one thing that I haven't talked about, but maybe, maybe you're struggling with some type of substance abuse or addiction. Maybe you need to cut down on the alcohol or the smoking, or maybe it's just something that you need to do that will help you be in a better place that will help you feel better about you and will help you be better in all of the different, all of the things that you have to do in this life. Cause we all have lots of jobs. We have lots of responsibilities. But we could do better and we could be better if we took time for ourselves. So that's what this thing is all about. Kind of full circle. I would have to say this is my like rebel universalist idea of mental health and nutrition and self-care. And um, I hope that I've given you a little bit of information. I hope that this has served you somehow. Uh, I hope... My biggest hope is that we could start talking about this stuff, people. We could not, we don't have to suffer alone. You know, how are we ever going to feel any better or get, get to any place in our life if we never like put ourselves out there and, and, and support each other? We're just doing it alone, suffering alone. We don't have to do that. You know, like I feel for you. I don't know. I don't know what you're going through or who you are or what's going on in your life, but like I feel for you, you know, and there's other people that do too. I'm not alone in the way that I feel for humanity. So don't be so quick to judge people that they're just going to write you off or they're going to think that you're crazy or they're not going to care or respect your emotions or what you're going through because there there is something that connects all of us. And you'd be surprised. The people that seem like they have all their shit together, they might just have some stories to tell you. And they might rock your world and change the way that you think about things. So don't ever underestimate that. All right. Well, that was a lot of stuff. I hope I did. All right. Um, thanks for joining me until next time. Much love to my people. Thank you for taking the time to tune in to the Noble Cause podcast. It is a great joy and honor to be able to connect with you. If you feel this episode or if you can think of someone that can benefit from it, share it with them. You could also leave me a, a review 
like the Facebook page, The Noble Cause, or hit me up at thenoblecausepodcast at gmail.com. I love connecting with new people, sharing ideas, and keeping the flow of conscious energy so that we may continue to be inspired, interested, and interesting. I hope this transmission has served your highest good, and until next time, much love to my people.